Hi, I'm John Murray, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. It's been another action-packed weekend in the National League. And joining me to look over it with myself, Luke Edwards, it is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. A new experience for you today, wasn't it? You were, you were watching all the shot from your living room. Yeah, same result though. <laughs> and also joining us, back with us this week, uh, he's been on butler duty all week, is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. <laughs> Hello, how's Chris. The, uh, how's the running around been, Chris? Uh, yeah, the patient is um, still asking for things. <laughs> And uh, joining us later on to look at the National League North, it will be Dickie Wharton. But looking quickly at the midweek results, Torquay, they beat Maidenhead and Stockport got a late winner at Barnet. Torquay obviously flying at the top of the league. And Yeovil picked up their first win of the season in the league at Bromley before COVID has now stopped them in their tracks. So they've got a week or so off. Whilst Notts County lost at home to Borehamwood. And also Halifax continued their fine form with 13 goals in three games after a 3-1 win. At all the shot, and after that game, Rob spoke to the Halifax manager Pete Wilde. Joined by Halifax Town manager Pete Wilde, man with the Midas touch right now. Thirteen goals, uh, three victories, and my goodness me, they say a week's a long time in football. Never truer than the last week in Halifax Town. It certainly isn't it? Yeah, I think actually we've been playing all right all season. We've just not been, take, not been taking our chances, and we've been ruining missed chances, etc., etc. Fifteen lads with COVID and all the things that came with that. Uh, but now we've started to, to put goals to our performances, it's really pleasing and uh, and long may that continue. Now, you had to be patient, you had to stay in the game tonight at uh, Aldershot, didn't you? Um, didn't really get anything on goal in the first half, had to weather the storm a little bit. Although probably a little unfortunate to go down to the first controversial yeah, yeah. penalty of the night. Um, how did you look at it at half-time? How did you keep your players in it and how did you turn that one round? Well, I think our group's got really good character and I think I've got some really experienced boys. And, and we came in at half-time, there was a little bit of needle, there was a little bit of controversy. Was it a penalty, was it not? And we first thing we just said is calm down, we'll, we'll get chances, we just need to keep working at our game. Um, and we know when we get them chances, we have to take them. And, and in Jake High, we've obviously got a centre-forward that now it's banging form and... And that's why I brought him here, because of his, his, how clinical he's in front of the goal. So we knew we'd get chances, um, and, and luckily they came for us this evening. I don't think both pens are penalties. I think both of them are not penalties, but uh, it is what it is, and it's, it's even itself out across the evening. Final question. You've got a nice blend of youth and experience here, and it's not easy to go two long way trips mm. with three, four, five, 30-year-old pluses, uh, but you pulled it off. You must be pleased with the way you just... Uh, you know, juggled it a little bit there in the second half. Yeah, it's weird. I watched Harrogate and I wanted to in the Harrogate in the playoffs, and I thought I want to be as fit as them. And then I brought an SNC lad in to make sure my lads were fitter, stronger, educated me and my staff better, so we could put on sessions that made us fitter and stronger. Uh, and you're seeing that. And yes, they might have, uh, they might be over 30, but they've got. I certainly think they've got the brains and and the nous and the, and the fit men to to make sure that we keep pushing forward. So we're lucky. Stroke, not lucky because Eastley's off on Saturday because of COVID. So we've got now a chance to get the body clocks right because you think it'll be a good 2.30 when we get back to Halifax and get them, get them ready for the weekend. I'll give them a, a session on Friday and we'll see where we are for the weekend. And that was Pete Wilde. And before we look at this weekend's results, uh, Rob, I mean, Halifax, they were, they were struggling three games ago. They're, they're absolutely flying now, even though they didn't play this weekend. 
Yeah, I mean, as, as Pete said, he thinks their performances have been, uh, you know, pretty consistent of late anyway. But they just finally got the goals to match that. I, I, I just don't know what to say different anymore. I, I watched Aldershot completely outplay Torquay, who were running away at the top of the league for the first um, half. And, you know, they were 1-0 up in that. Um, and ended up getting beaten 4-1. The Halifax game was very similar. Again, I'm thinking this all-shot team could do stuff this year, but they don't put the game to bed when they're ahead and they're playing well, and uh, passages of play are costing them. Halifax, yeah, nice and efficient. Um, Stayed in the game for long periods when they were second best, and then very clinical when the chances came along. They had four chances and scored three of them, and uh, that's as good a ratio as you ever get uh, at this level. I think the big thing for Halifax is, as Pete Wilde mentioned, is they've got a lot more experience in that squad this year, haven't they? They have. Three or four players in particular, 30-plus, who, through the spine of the team, just know what they're doing. And uh, it's a nice blend of youth and experience. And uh, um, as Pete said again in his interview, uh, he works very, very hard to ensure that uh, they're not going to be left wanting in terms of uh, fitness or stamina. Absolutely, yeah. And Luke Summerfield was a star of the show in that game. And as we mentioned, Torquay, they played again this weekend. They stayed top, but they didn't win this weekend. They faced a really tough cross-country trip to Kingsland. It was a game played in tough conditions, wind and rain. And Kingsland also had a goal ruled out. Torquay also played the last 11 minutes with 10 men after having Asa Hall sent off. Uh, Chris, is that a potential missed opportunity for them? Oh, it's massive, isn't it? Because uh, that had a, an away win written all over it. I think uh, that's a that's a coupon breaker. That one, isn't it? If you've put that down on your uh, on your accumulator, so you know, fair play to Kingsland. They've been leaking goals for fun, um, and uh, to to come out with a clean sheet and to come out with a uh, clean sheet against the team that are flying is absolutely massive. Turkey were on a four match winning run. Um, I know they said that this, I was reading their report and they said that it was a bit of a sticky surface, which made it hard for Torquay to play their uh, their normal flowing style um, today. So, um, but they'll they'll come away with points, so it's better than none. But I tell you what, with um, Asa Hobb getting a straight red, they're going to have to miss the captain for a few games. So yeah, they had fans back in there to Kingsland today, which you appreciated, but they had just over six hundred in the end, but. They- could have had a lot in there, wasn't there? There's was a lot of discussion over the pricing. Yeah, I've heard a lot. Obviously, um, you know that I used to live down there, so I've got a few friends who, who still go along, and they'd, um, they'd mentioned about the pricing. And, uh, you know, Kings, I'm pleased if a Kingsland rep wants to come on next week and talk about this, that'd be great. But it's, um, I think it's 22 is the cheapest ticket there. Um, also for kids as well, it, there doesn't seem to be a distinction between, uh, between kids and adults, and 25 quid if you sit in the stands. and that does seem a bit pricey for uh, for conference premier football to me. Yeah, and it's £12 for extreme pass as well to watch the game. And Rob, in times of, of hardship as it is, we know clubs are looking to raise money, but surely you've got to show a bit of goodwill as well. I mean, who, who's who got sort of nearly, if you're taking a couple of kids, you're looking at 75 quid to stump up just to go into a game at, at level six as well. Yeah, it's difficult to condone. I think some explanations were made right at the start of the season, actually, by the Kingsland chairman. He said if, if to the supporters, if you want us to compete at this level, these are the increases we're going to have to put in place. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's gone down too well. Um, and it, 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 it doesn't follow suit with a lot of other teams that come up from other levels. Normally, they'd be delighted just to put an, you know, charge an extra couple of quid on the gate for, for being in a high level. It's a, it's a huge jump. 
Uh, in terms of the game itself, uh, a real morale-boosting um, draw and clean sheet for Kings Lynn. And by all accounts, the uh, Torquay United goalkeeper was the busier of the two as well. As for that red card, well, there was a few uh, over the weekend and uh, that one, I think he might, it was definitely a foul. Um, he wafted the leg in a little bit. It didn't look overly dangerous to me. I would have thought yellow card at most and uh, um, there's another red card we need to discuss in a little while, which I'm pretty sure will get rescinded, but we'll come to that in due course. Yeah, Torquay, six points clear of Sutton with both teams having played 13 games. Sutton, who was supposed to play at Stockport County, but it was a very late postponement after a Sutton member of staff was described as having flu-like symptoms. And Chris, it was really frustrating. I think it was probably for about 12 o'clock, was it? I think it might have been about 11. I think I looked on my phone at 12. Do you know what, Luke? I looked on my phone at about 12 o'clock because it was leathering it down up here. And I thought, do you know what? I'll just check because just in case there's a, a waterlog pitch. There's not often at, at County a waterlog pitch, but it has been known. And um, yeah, then I found out that about an hour ago um, it had been called off because of uh, these flu-like symptoms. And look, I know we've got to be careful in this day and age. It's just incredibly frustrating. And it? I think it sums up this season and towards the end of last season um who'd have thought this about five years ago that you you have to check to make sure that no one's had uh, flu-like symptoms the day before the game so it's look I, I don't know what to say whether it's right or wrong or what it's just incredibly frustrating five games gone again today four actually because obviously they still put in the fixture list the game involving Macclesfield who have been expunged but uh Four because of COVID reasons. That seems to be about the par for the course at the moment. And, uh, you know, the same old uh, concerns are there about this season. You know, is it going to end? Is it going to end on points per game again? Uh, some clubs more badly affected than others. When you actually uh, look at the table, as we will do uh, perhaps towards the end of this uh, review of the games, we'll see quite contrasting between some sides that have played nine games and some that have played 13. Yeah, and what it does, Rob, it makes it really difficult to know where you are, where you stand. Um, you prefer the points, I think most clubs would say that, but this year with five games difference, you're probably expecting to pick up a few points from them. So it's it just makes it difficult. I know it's the way of the world, um, but it's just mm. hard to read this year. It I is, mean, and, and although I won't mention the teams just yet because we've got to cover one or two of them, there's only three teams in the league that have played 14 matches and they're all in the top five right now, which suggests that it's a good thing if you can keep playing, you can keep in the rhythm. Yeah, yeah and you, you feel that hopefully that the um, from the Sutton side it is, it'll be a, a, a negative test and they have just got like a bit of flu or something. But uh, equally as well though, I mean, I mean, the good thing going forward hopefully is that... Um, I was going to say the positive thing. I won't use that word. Uh, <laughs> is that is that the new rules now are saying you only have to self isolate for ten days? So potentially you might only lose two games, potentially even one rather than three or four, like you are at the minute. So that is the other sort of flip side of it. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say that. I think the problem is going to be for those teams who haven't played many. Is they're going to be doing a lot of Tuesday Saturdays. In a, in a row. Um, but as I mentioned, Chris, the other week, they're paid to do that, aren't they? And if they're full-time, that's just a team they'd rather play than train. Well, they are paid to do that, but they're also going to lose matches over the winter, aren't they? Um, to weather and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I, th- I think it puts those teams at a disadvantage, but what they can do about it, I don't think there's anything they can do about it, to be honest. 
And Chris, we might as well mention it because you talked about that Stockport postponement. Of all the sides in the top half, they're the one that have played the least. They, there's, uh, they've only played nine games, so there's eight teams above them, all of which have either played three, four or five more games than them. Even a pretty paltry points return of four or five points would have uh, Stockport sitting in third place in the table. But when you look at it, they're ninth. Yeah, absolutely, um, and they're they're on a two match uh, winning run as well since they've they've came back from the the last their last COVID break. Um, so they two won matches, won. Two, two wins in five weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and like that, yeah. and it's the I mean, big... if they won all the games in hand, they would be. Uh, let me just top this up quicker. They'd be top of the league. No, they'd. Uh... <laughs> They'd be nearly just, top of the league. They'd be near the bottom end of League Two, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the big, uh, it's the big county v county game on Tuesday as well, isn't it? Between Notts County and Stockport, that's on BT Sport One. That it should is, be a like, cracker. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope it's on, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, weather permitting, it should be now. Um, but uh, yeah, excellent stuff there, and Altingham and Bromley. Continue to, to surprise a, a great three points for Bromley in the late kickoff game at Solihull. Michael Cheek scoring, and that was Solihull's um, first goal that they've conceded this season in the league. Um, Bromley have had a weird season, they're saying they're much better away from home than they are at home, but uh, they move up to third place now, Rob. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's the first goal Solihull have conceded at home, just to clarify that point. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, that man, Michael Cheat, on the target. By all accounts, he's missed a few chances in the last couple of games. I'd, I'd love as a striker to have missed a few chances and then smash in my ninth goal of the season, you know, in uh, in just 14 games. Uh, he, I, I think Adam Summerton uh, in commentary mentioned that uh, he's a very, he's probably the most consistent, reliable striker at this level. Fifth season uh, or five seasons running, he's been his club's top scorer. And that's been at four different clubs. But yeah, Brom- Bromley's the same marching on. And, and Altingham as well, guys. I mean, I I, uh, I predicted Altingham to do well, but not quite this well. It was a good away win for them at Dagenham. Captain Jake Malt with a rare goal. Yes, well, it, look, it's unbelievable. I think I said last week that when we saw Aldershot uh, play them a few weeks ago, we wondered... Uh, where the next goal was coming from, where the next point was coming from. And since then, they've been on an absolute tear-up, haven't they? And one thing that suited them is obviously played as many games as they've played, more games than anyone else. Only another couple of teams have played that. They're one of the teams that Rob was alluding to uh, to earlier, even though they did have a break. And they've had, sorry Chris, they've had their COVID outbreak as well. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, they're they're done. Hopefully they're done. You you never know, though, do you? Um, It's uh, brilliant. It's brilliant from Altrincham's point of view. And I think we've, you know, we've we've worn out talking about Altrincham the last couple of weeks. But um, yet again, another disappointment for Dagenham. And you have to wonder just how patient their American owners are going to be. Because uh, whilst um, Dagenham do have a four-point gap to the uh, three relegation places, that's not good enough. 12 points from 12 games with the money they've spent. Yeah, and they had to come yeah. from behind to beat Weymouth on, on Tuesday. But yeah, they've, um, they've only had three wins so far. And it's even those wins that they've got haven't been convincing, have they? I think uh, bravo to Altrincham, promoted side in the top five. And they're joined in fifth place by mm. another side that's settled so well now, Wildston. And I heard a stat on the uh, goal highlights. Wildston won for the first time in six games today. And yet, 
they sit fifth with 21 points. So uh, how cool to have had your bad spell <laughs> and still be in the top five. Mm. Is someone manipulating that league? <laughs> 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 it's uh, I mean, it's interesting because I know, like I say, I, I know I predicted Wheelstone and Alton to do to, well, not go down certainly this year, and and it's looking good that way. I mean, can you won't be surprised if they finish sort of top of the bottom half, would you? Got to be. They've got to be a great team to watch their matches as well because uh, I haven't got the stats in front of me. I know they've scored a fair few goals, Wheelstone, but their goal difference sat in fifth place is minus four. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can infer from that that there's been more goals scored in the Wilston games than, than pretty much any other. We're getting four threes and three twos and uh, they are absolutely loving life at this level. And if somebody had told them before a ball was kicked that uh, what are we now, over a, quarter, we're over a quarter away through the season, they'd be sat in a playoff position. Uh, with 21 points from the first 14 games, they just snapped your hand off. What you got to think is, uh, and I don't know, I'll go back over the history of this, we might get Tom Arstato on this one, <laughs> is that maybe another 10 points in the safe in, in previous seasons. Um, I don't know, I'll have to have a look back through it, but it's not not that many, sort of three or four more wins and they're in the uh, they're in the Prem next season as well. You'd have to think, Chris. I mean, I, I think they might need more than that. I think they might need sort of minimum 40 points, but I get your point totally. And 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 a sense about Woking after their great start last year, what their brilliant start has done is it ensured really uh, that they'll pretty much be in this league next year for sure. Um, and I probably just inadvertently mentioned Woking there as we're about to come to them anyway. What a fantastic result. Scored in the first minute. Matt Jarvis returning to the uh, starting lineup, uh, first or second minute. And, uh, you know, put Hartlepool away 3 0 comfortably. And that's after Hartlepool had lost at home in the midweek as well. And uh, the wheels are off a little bit for the pools. Definitely, yeah. Uh, Jack Cook also scored for him. And, and Slavi Spasov added a third. The only bot on the card copy book, Rob, was. Sending off a mask, Max Kretschmar, and that's that, that'll be a big miss for them, won't it? Yeah, it's a crazy one. Uh, whilst I was on my BBC Surrey duties, I heard the uh, update of Mark Francis, who joined us on the pod a couple of weeks ago, and not just Mark and his summariser, but the uh, um, the the opposition uh, media people and everything else were absolutely flabbergasted. I've seen it myself. I can't see any contact at all, and if ever I've seen a red card that needs to be appealed. And rescinded, most likely, is that one. Um, and uh, I would expect to see Max Kretschmar playing in Woking's next game if they uh, decide to appeal it. Yeah, seventh place, as you mentioned there, for for Woking. And just going back to Weymouth, of course, they, they took the lead at Wheelstone today before losing. Uh, Chris, you, you saw them win at Stockport this season, but in the last, three week, last few weeks, they've looked quite naive, really. I know Brian Stocks mentioned that as well, certainly against Halifax. And, that could cost them really, couldn't it? They need to cut out those errors. I've got to Edgley Park earlier in the season. They were real streetwise. They kept they they sort of kept it tight in the first half, and then really came out in the second half. Changed the formation a little bit. One thing I would say is that they have lost um, Tom Whelan to Chesterfield uh, recently, and he was a real uh, real playmaker, a real live wire as well. And I think that's been quite a big loss for them. But I think. Yeah, I think they're going to have to channel their Edgley Park performance in the next in the next few games because they're beginning to uh, to look a little bit cast adrift from that sort of lower mid table at the moment. 
Well, thankfully, the curse of the podcast hasn't affected James Rowe and Chesterfield. After being on last week's podcast as our guest, they, they won 1-0 at Sutton in midweek and then they smashed Barnett 6-0 on Saturday. And it's fair to say, Quasi Santis hit the ground running. A hat-trick for him. That's 4-4 four four now. Hayden Hollis with his second in two games and also Scott Bowden chipping in as well. And, and what a turnaround it's been for Chesterfield and James Rowe. He's walking on water at the minute there, isn't he? Yeah, 10 points from the first 12 games. Uh, almost the perfect start, really, for Rowe. Um, and, uh, you know, the players that he's uh, brought with him and brought in are performing straight away as well. He changed it around up top today, started uh, Bowden, brought Denton on later. And I think uh, from a couple of his uh, post-match chats and the one he had with us as well, you know, Quasi Asante probably has actually taken a couple of weeks to adjust to stepping up a level. And while he's been doing it, he's been scoring goals as well, but he's missed a few chances, particularly, I guess, against Aldershot in that nil-nil draw. But uh, a real quality, quality hat-trick today. And he's off and running now. And uh, it's incredible. This is probably as good an example of I've seen anywhere of a, of a team that's absolutely down on the floor struggling, you don't know where its next goal or win's coming from and a new manager comes in as a breath of fresh air, lets them all know they're far, far better players than they think they are, gives them a bit of organisation, gets a good start and then builds on that momentum. Uh, quite incredible, really. And uh, Chesterfield already moving up the table, already in that that that, that big pack in, in, in the middle of the table where we, you win one, you go in the playoffs and then you lose one and you, you're lower mid again. Chris, there wasn't too much evidence of um, just how potent Chesterfield were going to be against Aldershot the other week, was there? They were a little bit unlucky not to win the game. But six goals, my goodness me, that really is going to just... The, the confidence is going to be oozing through their veins now. Yeah, I think the I think that game that we saw, Rob, they created quite a few chances in the second half, weren't they? And, and they were unlucky. Um, I mean, the thing is, we know from our experience how good a quasi Asante is uh, of his recent uh, his recent recent spells in the in the National League North. We know that they've got a huge amount of quality there. We know how good Tom Denson is, and it was always a bit of um, an anomaly, wasn't it, seeing Chesterfield struggling as they were when they have got those sort of players in in their squad. And I think one thing that I picked up when I was at uh, when I was at Chesterfield the other day, and it was you know <laughs> as early as you can get in in James Rowe's uh, reign, was how impressed everyone around the place was with him. Um, when he, the way he spoke, the way uh, he got time for everyone, the way he was sort of calm on the on on the touchline, and um, he seems to be the uh, well, he's certainly now set himself up, hasn't he? Because I think uh, Chesterfield fans will be expecting 10 points from 12 from now on uh, for the rest of the season. But, um, uh, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't have had a better start, really, could you? And we've got to mention, Barnett, because a 6-0 drubbing, just one place and one point outside the bottom three now, and a goal difference of minus 21. Uh, alarm bells ringing there. Um, for a new manager who's trying to uh, <laughs> kind of the opposite, isn't it? It's the opposite to Rowe, you know, in terms of a manager coming in and everybody being instantly confident and having an assurance about him and having a belief about him in James Rowe. And it's probably the opposite of Barnet. Would you agree, Luke? Absolutely, yeah. It's just not worked. I mean, obviously, Chesterfield have gone out on a limb, haven't they, with James Rowe a bit? And we've talked about, um, talked about Barnet maybe being the cheap option. Um, but away from home, that's uh, 11 goals in 
11 goals in two games they've conceded now they were they've got a good point against Wildstone last week 0-0 uh, by all accounts I think they were pretty unfortunate against Stockport County but away from home they just seem to have a soft underbelly don't they absolutely and, and you can't afford to do that certainly in the National League and the final game was Bournemouth beating Aldershot they went up 2-0 early on didn't they through Kabongo Jamanga and another goal for Gus Mifuta who certainly has a goal scoring ball before Shadrach Oji and a Jamal Fifield on goal ped the wood back before Zorba Thomas scored the winner and you have to guess how the goal was scored as it was goalkeeper Nathan Ashmore who got the assist a crazy winning goal Rob yeah crazy exciting if you're boring word if you're all the shot it's just the same old thing happening again now um, 13 games this season uh, they're, they're, they're conceding far too many goals in the second half of games far too many goals late on and it's a real shame because there's some really good passages of play from Aldershot and at times they, they do look like they could be a decent side but uh, whether it's fitness, whether it's mentality, whether it's decision making, it's costing them and it's costing them dear and I've lost count now of how many points they've lost from uh, winning positions or drawing positions this season um, so uh, you know full credit to Boreham Wood, that's uh, three wins on the trot now uh, and as we always talk about, you get three wins back-to-back in the National League, you go storming up the table, they're sat 10th, 18 points, and just uh, two points outside of the playoffs. Well done, Luke Garrard and uh, Boreham Wood. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Good, Good to see you, Chris. Yeah, cheers, Luke. And as Chris departs, we bring in uh, Dickie Wharton to look at the National League North. Hiya, Dickie. Yeah, good evening. Sporting a festive jumper. <laughs> I know, first, it's just what came out of the cupboard first. <laughs> He dressed in the dark then today, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, in the National League North, uh, we'll come on to the big news of the week shortly, but uh, we'll start at the top. Gloucester have had a couple of rocky weeks, it's fair to say, but the manager's situation was sorted this week as they appointed former Grimsby player and Bournemouth Academy coach Paul Grove. And uh, he gave up a job in Israel, I believe, to take on the job. It's an interesting appointment, isn't it? It is an interesting appointment, yeah. I mean, uh, it, he, I think he was co- he was assistant manager at um, Maccabi Haifa, I think, in in Israel, which are you know uh, uh, one of the, the the top clubs in there, and I think have, have been in the Champions League in previous seasons, maybe even this season. So, um, yeah, but but suggestion there that obviously Paul Groves, you know, likes the the, the sound of the project that that's going on at Gloucester City, and yeah, he got a really good start with them today. Gloucester have been winless in three. Um, since the departure of James Rowe, but they've got a 1-0 win at Curzon Ashton today. Kevin Dawson with a goal early on in the second half, and that was enough to get them three points. Yeah, moving up into second with two games in hand, it's Kidderminster. They took advantage of Files, surprisingly losing at Hereford. It was Luce Montrose with a goal seven minutes from time to give the Harriers the advantage. They won at Gateshead. Uh, Gateshead dropped to seventh. And as we know, John Lewis go big at Christmas, but filed won't be fans of John Lewis today, will they? As Linnell grabbed a double to down the coast, is it? And Josh Dowling said the fans were the difference. Yeah, it was uh, no Christmas discounts on offer today. Uh, <laughs> an early goal from uh, David Perkins put filed ahead, but yeah, Linnell John Lewis equalised before half-time, then got the winner in the second half. You, you mentioned Josh Garrowling there, said he felt that um, the return of fans to Edgar Street obviously gave his side a lift. Um, Nick Chadwick's currently um, in charge of AFC Fylde while uh, Jim Bentley rec- 
recuperates from his um, heart operation. He said the foal team just didn't do enough of the basics correctly on the day. Yeah, no, for Hereford, that was a good boost after. They had a crazy game in midweek, didn't they, at Chester? Yeah, they did. I mean, I can't remember what the final score was. It now is it five three something like yeah. that, and it yeah, and it, it seesawed back and forth and back and forth. And um, you know, you score three goals away from home, and you'd hope to be coming away with something, and they came away with nothing. So um, yeah, bit of a reaction from them today, and I think you know that'll clearly please Josh Gowling as they head into the the, the Christmas fixtures and um, FA Trophy ties coming up, of course. Yeah, they're coming up this midweek. The North and South teams come in. Uh, up to fourth goal, York, as they have at least two games in hand on the teams above them. Uh, missed opportunity today, though, as they drew 1-1 at home to Spennymoor. Uh, we'll get on to the big news on Spennymoor shortly. But first, even though it will be disappointing for York not to win, they are showing a bit more consistency, aren't they, Dickie? I think that's five unbeaten now. They are. They're they're so they're 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 coming up on everybody's shoulder now. York. I think they're getting more into the kind of position that people would expect them to be in. Um, left a little bit disappointed today. Michael Woods put them ahead early on, um, and I think the the equaliser from Glenn Taylor came only about seven minutes from time. I think there was some um, argument about whether it, it it was a corner kick and whether it should have been a corner that was given um, or not. There is some debate, but Glenn Taylor didn't debate that and and he equalized from that and um yeah but a very unusual feel about it for for Spennymore this afternoon because for the first time in 14 years they didn't have Jason Ainsley on the touchline as manager he stepped down from that role on Thursday evening and his assistant Tommy Miller took charge today it's a massive shock isn't it Dickie as we say it, it just came out the blue Yes, I mean, uh, the, the statements that came out of Spennymoor suggested that, that it wasn't necessarily unplanned, that it was that, that it was always envisioned that at some point this would happen. Um, discussions between Brad Groves, uh, the, the chief executive at Spennymoor, and, and Jason Ainsley, that at some point he was going to step away from that role. But, but there's some suggesting that the, the, the timing didn't, hadn't quite fitted in with what they'd imagined and now what the what what the impetus was for that change i don't think we're quite sure yet and and i'm not sure whether we will find out um any time in the near future i mean i think the fact that tommy miller has taken over and they haven't got somebody else lined up um suggests it, it isn't entirely planned um as in the timing of it but um, yeah, he's got them off to a decent start today with a with a point away at York City. But um, it's going to be exceedingly interesting to see what goes on at Spennymoor. You know, they've been very very stable club for a long time. Uh, Jason Ainsley's added to the squad just a little bit year after year after year, uh, and has taken them to being what I feel are genuine contenders in that division now. So it, it is a shock to see him step away. Um, and I guess, you know, we'll only get the, the sense of whether it's been the right move for them, but what happens in the future? Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could say as well that Tommy Miller's been there that long, that he could be the ready-made replacement for Jason Ainsley. He could be, and I know that, the, you know, they've also got Stuart Parnaby, um, uh, the former Middlesbrough defender who came in as part of Jason Ainsley's coaching staff last year as well. So, you know, they, they have got a, a strong... Uh, an established backroom staff there. You know, it's not as if the players are unfamiliar with them. Um, but but just that 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 figurehead that that Jason Ainsley was for Spennymore is 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 no more. I mean, he certainly suggested that he will still be around the club. Um, 
you know, I dropped him a, a, a quick text on, on Thursday evening, basically, not to try and get any information out of him, but just to sort of like express, you know, how surprised I was at the news, really. And, and he did give the impression that he would still be around the club. So I don't think that there's necessarily, you know, any ill feeling or bad blood or, or you know, anything like that's gone on at all. Um it's just a, a, a planned change which has come about perhaps just a little bit sooner than, than they imagined. Yeah, and we have asked Jason Ainsley to come on, on the show. He couldn't come on this week because he had family commitments, but we're hoping to get him on in the next couple of weeks and then we can maybe get a bit more information out of him. So we look forward to that. Uh, Chesson and Boston, Dickie, they cancelled each other out. Uh, the most notable incident in that game, there was two red cards for Boston, 10 minutes from time, one for Jordan Gillis and then Mitchell Rose, he wasn't even on the pitch at the time. Also received his marching orders. Yeah, no, that's a bizarre incident um, there, and, and certainly sounds like the most exciting thing that happened um, at the the Jakemans Community Stadium today. That's Boston's second game in their new home now. Second game, unfortunately, where they've not been able to have any fans there, and um, Boston have yet to get off the mark. I mean, that that's their first point there, but um, they, they haven't actually scored in their new ground yet, so they'll be wanting to. Um, correct that fairly soon. Leamington, they're, uh, they're in the form of the life, aren't they, at the minute since they've come into this uh, division. They've only lost two games. They've drawn maybe more than they wanted, but they won 3-1 at Bradford Park Avenue and they're only out of the playoffs on goal difference. And I know we keep going on about it, Dickie, but what a fantastic season it's been for them so far. It, it, it's been tremendous. Expected, I would think, for most people outside of Leamington they would say yes it is unexpected and and it it's all centers on Sam Osborne who was the National League player of the month for the North for the month of November um, he'd got eight goals in 12 matches for them going into today's fixture he's been a, a huge discovery for Paul Holleran and he was at it again today two more goals in their 3-1 win at Bradford Park Avenue he put them ahead early on Simeon May put them 2-0 up just before half-time. Brad Dockery cut the deficit, but then Osborne scored a third, and that would make it his 10th goal in 13 games. Um, and I suppose the only thing on the horizon you'd have to think is that that, that kind of goal-scoring record and those kind of performances are going to be getting the, uh, you know, drawing the attention of, of bigger suitors. Um, and as Leamington, you know, if we found out in, in previous seasons, they lost Josh March around about Christmas time last year after he'd had a tremendous first part of the season. And, and Leamington and their fans are kind of used to this idea that, you know, Paul Holleran will unearth gems, but then somebody else will will take them away from him. Now, whether the same thing can happen will happen again with Sam Osborne, I don't know. I know they'll probably not thank me for saying this, but you know, the reality of the situation is that if if a if a bigger club in the in the National League takes a shine to him and it's a chance to perhaps go full time again, then um, you know, are Leamington gonna stand in his way? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean there's there's um there's four teams level on seventeen points. As say Gates said at the minute are in there on goal difference in that last playoff place. Then you got Leamington then behind them, we've got Brackley Town and Farsley. And Farsley didn't play today, but Brackley did. They got a 2 on win over Blythe, who are at the bottom of the table. And we'll get on to Blythe in a minute. But again, a game with two red cards in it. Yeah, indeed. Um, two one wins. Eh? All the goals in the first half. Um, Shane Byrne with a penalty. 
putting Brackley ahead. JJ O'Donnell getting his Lois Barton's account open today with the, the equaliser, but Leon Love flexing his muscles with a 44th minute goal. Two red cards in the second half of that game as well. Reese Evans for the visitors was the first one to get his marching orders. And then Reese McNally, who's on loan to Brackley from Solihull Moors, picked up a second yellow card and uh, he had to walk as well. And then the rest are really sort of mid to lower table battles, aren't they, Dick? I mean, surprise, Alfreton, they were. They looked in a solid mid-table place a few weeks ago. They're just above the relegation zone now and they've played more games than Darlington who are in that second bottom spot at the minute. Alfton only drew 1-1 with Charlie on Saturday and uh, a vital win for Geisley which made them leapfrog Alfton on goal difference. Yeah, indeed. I mean, Alfreton had a, had a run of, um, I think they came and won their first game of the season at Telford and then went on, uh, picked up points in their next couple of games and, and the confidence seemed to be high and it, it's really seemingly fallen away from uh, that point onwards. Um, Billy Heath obviously tried to strengthen a bit this week. He's brought Luke Rawson in on loan from Chesterfield. He Put them ahead in the first half, but a 90th minute equaliser from the penalty spot for Connor Hall um, made it 1-1. Chorley took a point and that takes Chorley to nine games unbeaten in all competitions now. So their cup run obviously isn't affecting their league form that much. If anything, it's positively benefiting it benefiting it yet um the other game you mentioned there yeah it was a a 4-2 defeat for southport at guiseley um plenty of goals in this one george newell put southport ahead but then guiseley scored the next four goals um and it was only a a late marcus carver goal for for southport that put some uh, respectability on the scoreline for them and and they're falling away a bit as well yeah the final game was uh uh, a second nil-nil in the division between Kettering and Telford, Dickie. We kicked Telford in the playoff places and, and Kettering just above, sort of, heads above water. Yeah, it does. And as the, I, I think this is probably the equivalent of, you know, if you wait, the, the, the nil-nil's always the last game on match of the day, isn't it? And this was probably um, fitted in with that perfectly. Two sides... Um, I guess cancelling each other out a bit. Really, it's it's difficult pitch at Latimer Park. Uh, the conditions aren't great. You see, Paul Cox has tried to um, recruit recently and has made Kettering a bit a bit more of a stiff proposition. Um, but it was ultimately just a bit of a battle, which neither side looked likely to to, to go out and win. To be perfectly honest, yeah, and it was a. I think it was good to have a crowd in at Latimer Park as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 514. I think they had about 600 for their game last week. So they're getting back to a to a semblance of normality. I know it was Telford's first game in front of a crowd since um, probably their FA Cup third qualifying round tie at Leiston. So um, yeah, good good to be playing in front of um, in front of a crowd again. Um, but yeah, and it just unfortunately that the, the fair on offer wasn't particularly great entertainment this afternoon. But I know Gavin Cowan was pretty happy with the point for Telford. Um, felt that they'd sort of counteracted the, the, the style of play that Kettering were going to bring. And um, I think Paul Cox was left a bit disappointed, you know, from their perspective that, that Kettering didn't do more as well. Yeah, and, and also I think Telford have been given the green light now to have uh, fans in next time they play at home while being well. Yeah, they have indeed. Yeah, that'll be Boxing Day against Chester um, because they've been 
drawn away in the FA Trophy on Tuesday evening and then their next FA Trophy tie should they get through on Tuesday is an away tie as well. So they've got to wait a little bit longer than than, than other fans or than other teams have. But um, yeah, we're very much looking forward to it. Uh, it's 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 been a long time and, and, and it's just the hope as it is all ground around the country is now is that people um, do sort of take the responsibility seriously. We're inside the ground and just sort of uh, try and stick to all the guidelines and, and ensure that, that fans being back at ground isn't just a, a temporary thing and, and that it's something that can continue onwards. Absolutely. Nice one. Thanks for joining us, Dickie. You're welcome. Good to speak to you. Uh, so let's move on and look at the National League South next. Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. In the National League South, neither Dartford or Dorking were playing this weekend for various reasons, uh, which meant St Albans couldn't take advantage. They'd only conceded four goals before this weekend's round of fixtures and and they took advantage, didn't they? The only unbeaten team across the three division. Yeah, it didn't start too well from them. Turner put in uh, Tunbridge ahead, but they soon levelled matters and uh, picked up a couple of goals in the final 20 minutes. So St Albans uh, really flying now and taking full advantage of those second and third place teams not playing. And I know they lost today, but I wanted to put a word in for Tunbridge. It's a difficult second season for them. And they're doing all right, aren't they? 13 points from 11 games, so slightly lower mid-table, but holding their own and some clubs with much, much higher expectations below them in the table. Um, the other team that we've mentioned almost every week on the podcast this week for their overachieving is Hungerford, and they've done it again. Um, uh, second half goal from Ryan Seeger. Uh, got the job done, what, uh, clean sheet at Hemel, and uh, they take all three points and... Uh, they closed the gap on Dartford and Dorking uh, to just a point and two, uh, three points now. So 22 points from Hungerford in 13 mm. games. And, and that has to be the biggest overachievement in the division loop. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's as we mentioned, sort of with, with Woking and Wheelstone and Altrincham. I mean, Hungerford are, are almost halfway to safety already, aren't they? They are. And uh, just, you know, while you and uh, Dickie were talking about the North, I thought I'd have our first look over a quarter of the way in the season at at our predictions between us. And and, and some things really stand out. We were consistent across the team and that all of us picked Yeovil and all of us picked Dagenham in the National League Premier to finish in the playoffs. Uh, And they're both down at the wrong end of the table. Um, And uh, likewise with Hungerford, uh, while we're talking about them, um, you only picked one team, didn't you? Because you 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 said there's only one relegation, so you picked Braintree. But uh, uh, the rest of us picked bottom fours, and all four of us uh, picked Hungerford to be in there. So none of us saw this coming. Probably uh, there's not too many others worth mentioning at the moment. I mean, the National League, we've all got strikers who've got three, four, or five goals each. Uh, Shimanga leading the way over McCallum and Reese Murphy. Um, I will put my hand up and say this, though. I picked Weymouth, Barnet and Dover all to be uh, in the bottom four. And those three are in the bottom four right now. So, uh, long way to go. Um, mm. I have to pick out that Tom picked both Altrincham and Woking to be in the bottom four. And they're both in the top five. Mm. Chris uh, picked Wilston and Woking to be there. I mean, there's no doubt the leagues continue to throw up surprise after surprise, don't they? Coming back, though, to the National League South, Hungerford sat fourth with 10, 22 points. And uh, 
one team that's been going well so far this season. They were pegged back a little bit today by Concord Eastbourne. Two all draw there, but um, they came back from 2-0 down, so that'll feel like a decent point on the road for Eastbourne. Yeah, because they lost midweek as well, so they um, they needed to recover there. And uh, a team that everyone needs to watch out for as well, having it in Waterlooville. Now they're out of the FA Cup. Uh, Tommy Wright with a couple of goals there and, and they're yeah. finally into the playoff positions. They've had a slow start, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. They've only played nine games, obviously, because of COVID and the FA Cup. But Tommy Wright, he got a hat-trick last week. Uh, scored two again this weekend, along with Craig Robson. In, in probably what was the most appealing game of the day, really. You know, when you look at it, you think two clubs will be up there between Emsley and Havent. And, and what a statement that is for Havent, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy Wright's really starting to hit a rich vein of form again now. Uh, one of the other games there, well, well worthy of note, um, Oxford City beating Dulwich Hamlet, who've been improved form of late. Um, they took the lead on the hour, Mark, and then had Ben Gehring, who's uh, on loan there from Woking at the minute, sent off with 27 minutes to go, but they saw it out. They kept a clean sheet. And that's a big uh, three points uh, for Oxford City, who sit just outside the playoffs, a point outside of them at the moment. And the other game, I think, in that league, Chippenham winning 1-0 at Welling, who uh, are struggling uh, second from bottom on the same points as Bra- Braintree. But for Chippenham, that just moves them up to that chasing pack uh, outside the playoffs. Yeah, the most exciting game in the day is the final game we're going to look at. Chelmsford and Bath, Chelmsford with... 3-1 down at half-time, came roaring back and they won the second half, Chelsea by two goals to one, but ultimately it finished 4-3 to Bath and that's uh, a really good week for Jerry Gill's men. It is, two wins and that now puts them on nine points for the season. A week ago they were sat on three points and it was looking very, very dangerous for them, but Jerry Gill finally getting it together. Um, and uh, for uh, Chelmsford, well, Charlie Sheringham on the score sheet again, he got two but uh, it wasn't to be. They had a player sent off on the hour mark as well. Church, which wouldn't have helped their cl- their cause, although they did actually score the only goal after they went uh, down to 10 men. But uh, for Chelmsford, well, Darren comes on the podcast, doesn't he, from time to time. Uh, one thing we know for sure, 16th place, not good enough for a club like Chelmsford. Uh, and they're going to need to do an awful lot better. On that note, we'll finish off. I mean, obviously, we're all looking forward to that. Game between Knox County and Stockport County, but we'll ha- have more reactions to that in next week's pod alongside all the other games that are taking place in the National League. So, uh, Rob, and in the FA Trophy, and FA Trophy, of course. Yeah, they might. Um, oh, yes, yeah, Saturday, of course. Is, the yeah, National League side come good, in, don't yeah. yeah. The National League sides come in. Uh, I know you're looking forward to a potential trip to a new ground, aren't you, Rob, on Saturday? Yes, it'll either be down to Sussex, to Burgess Hill, which will bring back uh, nervous memories for all the shot town fans because Burgess Hill not called shot out about four seasons ago of the FA Trophy. Uh, the tie I'm hoping for would be uh, uh, away at uh, Welling Garden City, which is actually uh, even nearer to me than Boreham Wood was. <laughs> not that I've, uh, I'm so over the fact that I wasn't able to get into Boreham Wood, of course, on Saturday and I watched from my living room. But. Uh, it could well be that seven days later I make an even shorter trip down the A1 from St. Neitz and uh, get to see Aldershot Town play at Welling Garden City. That Welling Garden City uh, against Burgess Hill tie is one of 31 taking place in the FA Trophy on uh, Tuesday night. So uh, we'll be uh, awaiting the results in uh, a lot of those games 
uh, for clubs in the National League who are waiting to come in at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. And that is it. Thank you very much, uh, Rob, for that. And we shall uh, see you all very soon. Don't, don't forget to subscribe to us via iTunes and Spotify and look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon. Thank you.